Ladies and gentlemen, I did not come here to make you laugh. No, I came here to sell you something, and I want you to pay particular attention because the amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Fly-By-Night Industries, has entrusted who? Me! To show you the handiest and dandiest kitchen tool you've ever seen. And don't you want to know how it works? First, you take an ordinary apple. You place the ordinary apple between the patented pans. Then you reach for the tool that is not a slicer. It's not a dicer. It's not a chopper or a hopper. What the hell could it possibly be? The Going Off Podcast with the Rap Critic and Muse. I'm watching The Simpsons, right? And it's the 90s, so they make 90s references. And they randomly bring up Gallagher. And I remember being like... Oh yeah, wasn't that like, that was like one of those names that I'd always heard, but I never actually knew anything about. And I remember Dave Chappelle had a skit where he talked about the Gallagher 2 guy or whatever. Gallagher 2 is Gallagher's brother who like, bit his whole fucking bit. Yeah! <laughs> and fucking went on the road like, oh no, I'm, I'm Gallagher 2. And Gallagher's like, ex fucking excuse me? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? How can you be such a piece of shit? Like, <laughs> he's just gonna rip someone's style. Like, wow, that is the most direct version of, like, ripping someone's style that I've ever... You know, people always talk about, yo, man, so-and-so copied my style, so-and-so copied my style. That motherfucker literally got his style ripped off by his own fucking brother. What type of shit is that? You're a fucking comedian cover band. What the hell? <laughs> you fucking love money, but you've got no talent, no originality. What could you do? Like, if you got a famous brother... Just do his thing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if there was just, like, a sub-industry of, like, less famous, like, siblings of people who are just stealing their act that we just don't know about? You know, if Gallagher wanted to franchise his act, I'm a very popular name. This is, like, back in the 80s. It wouldn't be... It doesn't apply to today. But if Gallagher was like, I'm, bu I'm, I'm being booked every fucking where, if I could just lend my name out, to a guy that looks kinda like me, maybe, and do my act. Will people really care if it isn't me? If it's still the same jokes? Then yeah, I'm gonna be in two places at once. We're doing twice as many tour dates. It's Gallagher and Gallagher 2. MF Doom took notes, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but who, who knew? The only podcast you know that, that links MF Doom and Gallagher, the Going Off podcast. Subscribe now. I had a different history with Gallagher because... Uh, Comedy Central was a channel I watched a lot growing up, and on the weekends, uh, besides the same, like, four or five movies that they had licensed to show, they would show Gallagher specials a lot. So, I think I've probably seen every one. You're deep in the lore of Gallagher, are you? I fucking cr crack my knuckles, put my hands behind my head. Ah, settle in, kids. I'm gonna tell you a story about comedy in the 80s. Uh, back when everything was fucking prop comics, when you had, like, Howie Mandel. Oh, my God. And, Carrot uh, Top. Carrot Top in the 90s, but Gallagher. Who let this happen? But from what I remember, Gallagher was kind of, if you took George Carlin from the 70s, or more accurately, 80s, and on one end of the Venn diagram, and then you have Carrot Top or Howie Mandel on the other, and in the middle, in that sweet spot, is Gallagher, because the sledge bit... Most of the prop comedy, that's really at the end. The whole rest of the show is mostly anecdotal humor, um, talking about everyday shit, you know, trying to find the humor in ordinary things that people might not think about too much. I remember he did a whole bit on how words that shouldn't rhyme 
rhyme and words that should rhyme don't because of spelling. This is like stuff that like has passed down to the school yards now. You know, like stuff that yeah. kids in you know fourth grade think they're clever by coming up with, hey, you know, uh, weird is spelled weird. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Like that type of shit. G- Gallagher's jokes are pretty much like that fucking... Isn't it weird how you drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? Like, yeah, that things like that. <laughs> what you had sent me was an article about how Gallagher's humor oddly fell back on homophobia a lot. That was not a surprise, because I remember growing up, Gallagher made me very self-conscious. As a boy that wasn't hyper-masculine, he would talk about mannerisms and things, kind of like how we talked about, I think we ended up cutting it out, the whole Sean Mendez thing about how he would like... He felt self-conscious that people thought he was gay because of how he acted in interviews, and he went out of his way to not do those things anymore. That was pretty much how I was watching Gallagher specials. Like, he would talk about specific things, and I'd be like, well, I can't do that, because apparently Gallagher and this room full of laughing, hysterical, middle-aged adults, they all seem to think the same way, that this thing, this particular thing, is feminine, and not for boys to do. Yeah, they're jokes... But, obviously, they're not really jokes, because everyone, at the end of the day, agrees on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's just observational, then it's not a joke. Yeah, it wouldn't be funny if it didn't make sense what they were saying. So, like, the things Gallagher's saying weren't, like, shock humor. Like, in that regard, it's like, no way, you know, are these people actually doing the things they're joking about, like your Louis C.K. or your uh, Anthony Jeselnik type humor, your Daniel Tosh. The one thing that I sent you is because as I'm trying to distance myself from the whole Opie and Anthony thing, I I still have memories uh, from specific things. And one time was when they had Gallagher in studio, and it just so happened to be the same day they had uh, Patrice O'Neal. Comedy legend, rest in peace, my man. Oh, yeah, for real. Actually, for real, though. In studio, and uh, things got heated uh, between the two. Oh, man. And, dude, your boy Patrice was getting out of his And, like, I don't think he was aware. I don't think Gallagher was aware that he was ripping on him. Like, I don't think he understood what was going on at first. You could kind of hear the, the strange earnestness in his voice. Wait, I, I wanted to quote what the, the article uh, said about some of his more blue material. Oh yeah, your, your boy Gallagher's working blue. So uh, we saw this uh, article by The Stranger called Gallagher is a paranoid right-wing watermelon smashing maniac. <laughs> the very first sentence is <laughs> it's such old white person shit. You have your hat backward. Gallagher sneers on a 20-something man in the front row. <laughs> but that's not the end of the joke. I just love the idea that he started off like that's such an old man observation. Oh, you've got your hat backward. Like, oh no, this isn't going anywhere. That's going to be good or funny. That's his idea of working the crowd. You've got your hat backwards. Gallagher sneers at a 20-something man in the front row. Are you a homosexual? Because it seems you have a problem figuring out the front from the back. Um. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> what, the, what was that? I that don't know what brain. that even means. Oh my god, is that humor? <laughs> I'm like, like, this is. I'm surprised Gallagher's not huge on the internet with these anti jokes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my god. Subscribe to Gallagher. Ah, <laughs> fuck off. So this is the guy going to the show. He, he has no idea. He's just thinking he's going to see some old co- comedian tell a couple of knock-knock jokes from the 80s, you know? And then, above all, everything is gay, gay, gay to Gallagher. Gallagher delivers your Bible verse for the day. 
<clears throat> Without God, we are nothing but dust. What is butt dust? Is that what you get if your homosexual isn't properly lubricated? That's the joke. Oh, that's so bad. What? Butt dust? Is that where you decided? That's where the edgy humor went to? Butt dust? We're nothing but dust. You got Tim Allen being like, conservatives can be funny. And then you got other folks being like, liberals are afraid that people are finding conservatives funny. Like, I I'm sorry, but like if Tim Allen and Gallagher... Are your fucking front runners <laughs> for for conservative comics, and how most of the material is just mean? <laughs> like, like th th that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, is it just t it's just making fun of people? Yeah, it's like your job as a comedian. If you're not funny, you're just being an asshole. Like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a very thin line as a comedian between being a comedian and just being a bad person. <laughs> you know, um, this this is the best part though. At other points during the show, Gallagher says, Men and women can't live in the same house, and there's no way men and women can have a relationship. He says he can't remember why he used to feel pleasure in looking at a woman. And, there's only one kind of homosexual guy, and it's the pretty ones. Why do homosexual men have to be so good-looking? Gallagher, uh, listen, is, is there something you want to share with us, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. He doesn't... That's a strange revelation. He doesn't find women attractive, and the only type of gay men are attractive ones. I mean, you might just be gay. <laughs> that's... Look, Occam's razor, bro. <laughs> Gallagher, are you racist? Why? Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. He'd rather be fucking smashing a nigga's head with Sledgematic. There's been a few news stories recently surrounding one of the most popular games in the country. I'm surprised you're not streaming it on your fucking YouTube. Fortnite. Yo, man, I'm not a big FPS guy, you know what Okay, I mean? okay, that seems to be where the money's at. I wish I was into it, but I, it's just not my thing. Oh, I'm, I'm a oh. fighter guy. When the next big fighter comes out, Mortal Kombat 11, you know, I'm there. Oh, you know. yeah, okay. Something that I hear people at work talk about, because everyone at work has kids, and a lot of the kids are on the Fortnite. There, there, I sound like a fucking old man. They're on the Fortnite, and they're complaining because Fortnite is a very expensive game because while it is a free-to-play game, the way they make their money is your emotes, your skins, all that stuff that uh, that adds up over time. You don't even need to really be following video games to know that Fortnite is kind of part of the pop culture right now because of the Fortnite dances. Uh, the kind of infiltrating uh, just about everything. They were all over the uh, YouTube Rewind. That's pretty much what the whole video was about was Fortnite. Because at first, you look at Fortnite, they're just doing popular dances, and you can see the characters in the game doing them, and kids want the hottest new dance, so they're gonna bug their parents to buy them these fucking dances. Things in Fortnite, by the way, cost uh, V-Bucks, and uh, 1,000 V-Bucks will set you back uh, 10 bucks. And an emote costs uh, somewhere between 200 and 800 V-Bucks. So you could do the math there. Now, what we're seeing are the people who originated the dances that are in the Fortnite video game coming out in droves. You got some merely complaining about their dances being in the game while others are actually taking legal action 
uh, some taking it way more serious than others. Because on one hand, you got Will Smith, star of the 2018 YouTube Rewind, merely complaining that they're doing a dance that he did in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. While on the other hand, you've got fucking Alfonso Ribera suing because his Carlton dance is in the video game. And some people are saying that these people don't really have much of a legal leg to stand on. But I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Because if you're, if something you created is in a video game, right? Yeah, that's kind of whatever. But if they're making money off of it, aren't you entitled to some of that bread? That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if you, if, if it's just a game and then that's like just a fun thing you can get in it for free or whatever, that's fine. But as soon as there's a price on it, no, you gotta break off some bread. Because that, because people are literally getting, you know, buying that dance. They're literally buying the dance. There's no other case to be made here. Now, it depends on whether you'd have to make a legal case that you actually made the dance. That's the thing. I feel like Alfonso Ribeiro, that's a little harder because I know people have done that dance before him. Like, he may have popularized it, but it's not his. People, it was a common knowledge thing. He just did it really sillier than most. But, uh, in the case of the dude doing the, uh, the, uh, the Millie Rock, that actually is a little harder. Because it's just like, nah, there's more of a direct line with who is doing those moves. The one that's the most interesting to me is uh, the flossing. Because you got Backpack Kid suing Epic over the dance being in the video game, but he didn't create it. He merely popularized it. Now, what's the most interesting thing about this dance is that no one knows where it started. No one can put a finger on exactly who the originator of this dance was. I personally never saw it before Backpack Kid did it, but there are videos dating back years before. Well, then it's not... I, I say if there's evidence of it before him, then no. But if if it's like literally we have not seen anyone rec on recorded record do it, then it's just like, all right, well, then it, he can at least make the case. But, like, if it's literally been seen before, automatically, no. I think Backpack Kid is wasting a lot of money, and he's not going to win his case. I think that's a, um, trying to get the 15 seconds of fame. I barely know what happened. And, and, and how much can you do with that, anyway? Like, what you can't set up a YouTube vlog. Hey, the life of the Backpack Kid, you know. Yeah, as far as I know, uh, he did the dance in, like, a Vine. Uh, then Katy Perry featured him in uh, her Saturday Night Live performance. Uh, subsequently... Featured him in the video for that song. What kind of legs do you think a silly dance really has? How far do you think that's going to take you? Oh, he is getting... Look, he probably getting that... Uh, the, the express Macaulay Culkin treatment. <laughs> ooh, ooh, boy. Man, you know it. You know it. Man, yeah, that's fucking over and done. If they ain't showing no love to the... Uh, to the actual, you know, kids in movies, and we see how they've been screwed over. Little kids getting viral hits like this. Y'all ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I, I was fascinated by the thing you sent me about the uh, Walmart yodeling kid. Yeah. Let's talk we about had actually right. talked about the YouTube channel that uploaded his video that are kind of like a hub for viral videos. And you could kind of look through their things, and you see ones that did take off, other ones that didn't. There's definitely success stories, 
But Walmart Yodeling Kid, again, something that didn't originate on YouTube, got uploaded to YouTube on that viral hog page, I think it was, and that's where it took off. But since then, he was at Coachella. He had a billboard in Times Square. He performed at the uh, Grand Ole Opry. Those are life experiences, and that's actually getting your money's worth from that viral video. Backpack Kid, though. You've shown you can floss. That's it. What else? He's going to bust out a sick-ass choreography routine. You don't even know it. Oh, man. It's going to be like 10 years later, and you saw, um, uh, Tay Zunday. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Fucking Chocolate Rain. That dude, like, he he wasn't only a one-hit wonder. He was, like, putting out shit pretty regularly, and that was the only one that took off. Years later, he was still putting out shit, but people just weren't paying attention. And the thing about it is, he's actually like a he's like a really smart dude. Like you find out, Chocolate Rain was actually social commentary and shit. Other names I forgot that I've commented. One of the dudes from Scrubs complained uh, that a dance he did is in the video game, and Snoop Dogg also mentioned that that GIF he does from the fucking Drop It Like It's Hot video. No, no, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Dude, you got enough money. Leave that alone. See, yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, if, if you've got the bread to afford the lawyer and go through right. all that shit. Right, right. Is it really, is it really hurting you? Millie, yeah. Fucking go out there. Get what's yours. Absolutely. <laughs> get your money, baby. <laughs> fucking Snoop Dogg, no. They, they can sit down. You, you can fucking sit down. Especially if I don't even know that you created that, you know? Like you were saying, like Backpack Kid, and I, I don't know. Because, like, with uh, with the Will Smith dance and with, like, Carlton or whatever, like, whoever was the writer for the show probably told him to do that. Like, it's, it wasn't even their idea to do it. That's exactly what I was saying. It's like, unless you literally came up with that idea, like, you were like, hey, I got an idea, how about I do this? You know, that doesn't work. It, it'll be interesting to see, though, because I think it'll set a, uh, a precedent, an, in, an interesting precedent. Yes, but especially because like Backpack Kid was the first one that came to my mind when I just threw out the hypothetical months ago about people uh, suing for their shit in the game, and to actually now see it happening is amazing. Like I was just being facetious, but no, shit is uh, what's that? Uh, stranger than fiction. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Because I was wondering about copywriting, like, a movement. You know? Mm. Like, with the Millie Rock and shit like that. That's one of those, like, common sense sort of, like, okay, come on. If he's doing, like, all these sorts of dances, all right, you got to give that to him. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing you can really do, yeah, concerning movement other than just, like, look at common sense. And the thing is, in order to do that, they make models for the car, for for the animations to dance to. So they literally are imitating in, intellectual property of someone else in order to create the thing. So if it's there's someone who originally created like like I'm I'm forget about money, just the idea you are literally copying them. If you didn't fucking call out Millie and have him in there to do the motion capture. Well, see and and I feel like that's it's partially a respect thing when I think about it like that, too. It's just like, yeah, you obviously knew the dance was a thing. So someone knew it existed, and someone had to have... No- you know what I mean? So it's like, 
Why couldn't some developer who knew about this dance and informed someone about this dance just go to the guy and be like, hey, look, wouldn't this be really cool if we had you in? But, you know, I, I think they honestly just didn't think about it. You know what I mean? They're, like, what precedent is there for that? You know, who's going to care? Gallagher, are you racist? Why? Creature by Nitty Scott. As requested by Jeff Bond is this week's first album. And if you would like to request an album to be reviewed on the show, head on over to either one of our Patreons. That's patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse for details. Uh, this was a very interesting listen. My God. I can't think of a time I've heard anything quite like this. I feel like uh, Angel Hayes' album was kind of similar in that there was a lot of, like, forest imagery and stuff like that. Like, I wasn't expecting that. In the imagery, sure. Um, I'm more thinking the, like, the world music uh, samples, the kind of... Uh, true, true, true. Okay, okay. Like, I know that, yeah, yeah. how it was very, very international flavors, uh, a lot of different accents going on, a lot of different uh, inspirational music choices, just kind of thrown into a blender of sorts, like... Yeah, I think a lot of it is her culture, you know, so she really wanted to represent that in her art, and it felt like a very sort of, like, very deliberate, especially when we start getting into the, the lyrical content. <laughs> I can't really think of any tracks on the album that I didn't... Uh, that I didn't care for. Okay, I, I'll give you the one that I wasn't feeling as much was... Uh, da, da, da. Right! Right! Exclamation point. A lot of people shouting on song. <laughs> I feel you on that one. That was the more toned down, uh, not really in your face rapping, just kind of more talking almost. Yeah, and, and even as it went on, I still kind of like enjoyed it as the rap verse went on. Okay, one thing I got to talk about real quick. What the fuck is going on with the Genius page uh, for her album? Oh, I haven't been there. What happened? There's so many missing verses. Like, on all this, I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, this is disrespectful. Like, there was one or two quotes where I was like, oh, snap, I want to go get that. And then I tried to go on, you know, like, it was like, I had already listened to the album. And I was like, oh, where, what's that quote from? Let me write that down. I couldn't freaking find it because so many of the verses just have question marks on it. I'm like, really? Just don't even bother yeah, at that point. Exactly. And it's like, this album came out last year. So, like, what's going on? That really pissed me off. There was a lot of cool quotes I wanted to fucking find in it. So, as I listened to it, I was like, oh, shit, right. Let me get some of them down. <laughs> um, Like, fucking Pussy Power or Pixie <laughs> Because I got to edit it, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, where, where she says, I want all my Chilluminati mommies around the world to rub on your titties if you don't give a fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, shit. Like, fucking... Female Biggie over here. Uh, La Diaspora was the was actually the first song I'd heard from her last year. And I wasn't as into it from last year until, again, this is another one of those songs, like you listen to it with the album and you're like, oh, there's a whole, oh, there's a world I'm, in, I'm supposed to be in right now. Oh, okay. I think I felt the same way. And if I were to hear any one of these songs kind of out of context, I probably wouldn't feel it as much. But uh, listening to the album from beginning to end... It all just kind of works, you know, like in the context of the whole album. I love how the introduction brings you in. I love how La Diaspora like immediately follows right afterwards. And then you really start to, there's a sense of like, there's a very strong sense of sexuality that is not only controlled, but sort of used in a way that you cannot divorce from the political that I really enjoy. And she integrates, you know, sexuality and culture and and fun in a way that's like 
honestly really interesting. Like, yeah, she was using lots of jungle house beats and stuff like that. And, and like you said, world music, lots of, uh, you know, uh, Latina flavors, uh, thrown in there from around, from different countries, actually, different, different parts of the world. Uh, what was that one joint where you, I think it was pink palm trees where it straight up sounded Caribbean? And I was like, oh, okay, we're just going here. All right. And then it went into for Sarah Bartman, which look, if you know the name Sarah Bartman, <laughs> just an example, it, this shit, this fucking album gets real. <laughs> which track was it? where it was just someone just kind of, like, welcoming you in and just kind of talking to you a bit, reminded me of that Mama Marley album. I was just thinking, I think it was the Pink Palm Trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's right. It, it fucking felt like that for a second. I was like, like I, oh, I could put shit. this on the playlist, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember, I want to relax. Um, but, you know, you you get bright, beautiful moments like that, and then, you know, you get moments like, uh, don't shoot. You know exactly what the fuck this song is going to be about. And she is so fucking dope with how she, like, it's not in, on any weak shit, too. It's not just like, oh, well, I got to bring up social commentary. So I guess, oh, you know, no, it's not like, let's hold hands. It's like, no, she's like really taking charge. She's giving you specifics. She's giving you actual lyricism. You know what I'm saying? Like, turns her phrase and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Okay, motherfucker. And that means something. Okay, you're not just fucking around. Oh, and then I did like, at first I thought I wasn't going to like kaleidoscopes. Uh, I remember there was that weird Alice in Wonderland thing at the end. But then, of, of course, I did the second listen through and I was like, oh, this song's about, oh, okay, I can feel this now. <laughs> like, not everything's serious. All right, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how it jumped back and forth like that. How it never really felt too heavy. Yeah, it never felt like it, it this didn't feel like a political album. But, of course, it never felt too much like just a fun popcorn album. I think it's very hard. Not impossible. Because I'm sure some people have done it rather well. To write a rap album in 2018, or 2017 rather, and it not be somehow political. I used to read the comments on uh, the podcast and some of your videos. Mostly the podcast because that's where our political comments... Uh, and topics come up that people are like, man, I wish you'd stop being so political and stop talking about politics, whatever. When has hip hop not been political? Right, right, right. Exactly. It's always been a response, a commentary about what's going on. So it's very hard to divorce the two. So even on an album like this, like it's going to come up eventually. You know, that that's kind of unavoidable. I think... Um, those who are actually, like, able to put out a whole thing of just, no, this is just fun, we're just fucking around, like, man. Like, those albums, that's why those albums are so refreshing, because they're so rare now. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's real serious. <laughs> this shit ain't funny anymore. <laughs> we couldn't even get a Gorillaz album without it fucking being based on the end of the world or whatever, like... We're, that's just the age <laughs> we're in. Like, I, this is what, but both of these albums are really hard to review because there's only so many times I can say, dude, just fucking listen to it. Like, this is really good. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was about to apologize because I don't really know what else to say. Um, especially with this one, it's only 30 minutes. It's a very short listen. I, I love Negrita, um, 
uh, randomly in, well, no, it's not randomly at all. Like I said, there's a lot of, uh, culture in this album. And there was one part where you hear, like, someone's mom is talking to him. She's like, all right, mom. Like, it's very in the background, and it just sounds like the the incessant mom complaining. And then she's like, all right, mom. <laughs> and it was such a cute... I love that type of shit. Yeah, there's lots of moments on this album where it feels like... I really feel like I took a vacation. <laughs> We're just filled with all the shit that she wants. You know what I mean? Like, all the things from her life that she enjoys. And I was just like, yo, I, I stopped through. This album has a lot, a lot of personality in a way that is... Like I said, it's short, so you don't get a lot of time. But I've I've enjoyed I like I've listened to albums that were way longer, and I felt like I did not get any personality. And this one, like I feel like I already know her fucking middle name and shit. You know? Yeah, I, my rating came to a four point six. Um, I would probably lean uh more to the four. Um, man, I really wish there was more to say. I know. I feel so bad. <laughs> it's like that's what you get for recommending it. You knew this shit was good. <laughs> You knew what you were asking us to do. Exactly. You fucking heard it. What, you thought we were going to surprise you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really know. Like, do, do you want us to trash your favorite album, or do you just want to hear us Ooh, gush over it? she's speaking languages I don't understand. All right, I'm going to stop. This is America. <laughs> I thought she was from Brooklyn. What's with these accents? <laughs> nah, I don't fucking know. Um, I ain't got nothing. I really don't have too much complaints on this one at all. Um, Look at us, having a good day. Yeah, we are having a good day. And uh, the next one, I'm going to go ahead and preface it by saying that it's not really my cup of tea, uh, the next album. Oh, okay. But, it, like, it's not in my wheelhouse is what I'm saying. Like, uh, it's not what I would normally listen to. I get you, I get you. Uh, this one was requested by Jose Anthony Salas. Thank you very much. This is Daniel Caesar's Freudian. And th- th- first of all, this album cover of him walking up the, the mountain. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, what, what am I looking at? Is that like, is that like just like a, a building? Like a modern art building? I don't know. And, and, and where's he going? <laughs> Sorry, that was just such a... And why is it called Freudian? And why is that the cover of this album? Yeah, like, what is... <laughs> is something supposed to be happening that I don't know about? And the thing is, it's like, you know, Freudian. The name of the, the album. The album cover looks like this, you know, uh, really weird sort of abstract 70s prog rock album cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you listen to it. Is it supposed it. to mean something? Yeah, exactly. And then you put in, you know, pop in the disc, you know, or, or, or uh, hit the play button on your Spotify. And, oh. That's the dude with the big-ass fucking hit song from last year that was smooth as shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was the first thought I had as soon as I hit the play button. I was like, oh. <laughs> it really is one of those things where it's just like, I just heard it everywhere. And then it's just like, I never thought about looking it up. It's just like, oh, whenever I hear it, oh, yeah, that's a song I really like. You know? And so that was quite the pleasant surprise <laughs> to hit play and just go, to hear that, ooh. I was like, oh, <laughs> As someone who doesn't listen to a lot of R&B, a lot of them are kind of samey in the context. The things I was listening for and the things I took away were, like you were saying, the harmonies are so on point. This album is, oh my god. The harmonies in the background, the harmonies that swell and end some of these tracks, like without him entirely, the fucking guest features on these tracks. Mm -hmm. All incredible. 
they almost steal the show from right. Daniel in almost every instance. When Callie came in, I was like, oh, yeah, and I like this, too. And I don't know, but like <laughs> that was the first moment on the album where I was just like, hey, I like her more than him. And then the next one was like, I really like these people. Can these chicks make an album together? What is this? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's her that I didn't know when we were talking about the Grammy nominations. Right, look at you, eating your words. <laughs> and someone informed me in the comment section that Georgia Smith was on the Black Panther soundtrack. I completely forgot. <laughs> well, would you look at that? Hey, there's a lot of motherfuckers on the album, all right? God damn it. That's true. That's true. It's a fucking smorgasbord. But the other thing that I noticed that was the most interesting thing to me, and I think you're probably going to know what I'm going to say here. While usually the music is very for this, you know... Like, it's, it's kind of chill, laid back. There's acoustic guitar at some points. You got some piano. You got your piano ballads. Some of these tracks, though, randomly will get, like, distorted and, like, trippy. I did not and, like the last song, Freudian, where it just randomly got weird. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Stop oh, it. I love, when the, I love when this shit gets weird. Oh, okay, you like that? <laughs> when, when fucking Transform got weird and trippy, I like that shit. When, when like, it's, it's, like, slowly melts into, like... Oh, okay. Like, just, like, a, a swirl of... This distorted vocals over, like, this weird, muffled shit. Like, in songs like this, if it was by itself, I probably wouldn't care for it. But in the context of this, where it's like, yeah, things are going great, la-da-da-da-da, now things are gonna get weird. And then, almost always, it's like a switch just gets flipped, and that shit just ends, and it's back to how it sounded. Like, nothing happened. It's like, it's like someone was falling asleep on a bus... And their dream was, like, this weird psychedelic nightmare. And then, like, someone said their name, and they, like, snapped out of the fucking dream. And it's back to the ride on the bus, and you're Dude, looking out like that, that window. All right. That was fucking, like, mmm. I was saying the uh, the only two tracks where I was especially, like, I my brain did not like it was Freudian. But uh, Transform, I was also going to say it for that one. Just because, and not and, and not on the um, not liking the transformation because I liked when it switched up, but I think actually at the beginning I didn't like it because it sounded a bit too much like the first track, and that's actually where I was gonna, I was actually gonna say uh, against you. I thought all of the tracks had their own personalities except for Transform. That one felt like this is like, well, this feels like a take two of Get You. Transform for me stood out. Uh, because it was one of the very few tracks where you have a guest vocalist and they're not just kept for the very end, which is something that annoys me about most of them is that <laughs> when when you hear that guest vocalist and you look at the fucking yeah. you look at the timeline, it's like yeah, there's like maybe a minute left, like really fucking kept her till the end. But Charlotte Day Wilson, she she pops in like halfway through and she's just there for the rest of it, and it's like okay, that's cool. Especially when these are, like, love songs, you like that back and forth, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's what I really liked about Get You. It, it really felt like a full song happened, and then Callie came in and was like, oh, there's another song, what's going on? The word immaculate, I don't use often. <laughs> but I do think, I, oh my god, the melodies, the way the little harps, especially, I think it was Best Part or Hold Me Down, the way they just, they just, they just kiss your eardrums, man. Oh, oh, so, oh, there's just parts of this album where I was just like, this is an audio pillow. 
this fucking album. And and I don't I, I don't mean that as the insult. I mean that is just like you just wanna you just wanna relax in this music, man. If you're talking about a song that's like that, it's probably gonna be hold hold me down because for me, get you and best part were way more chilled, laid back. Hold Me Down was like the first track on the album that actually kind of got a little bit lively. Mm. Uh, it's where things kind of picked up. Best part is probably the one that hit me as one of the weaker ones because of the very simplified acoustic guitar, that weird too loud for the song snapping made me wince every time it popped up. Best part metaphor for me just kind of felt a little weak. You're the coffee I need in the morning. You're the fucking Advil I need when I got a headache. It's like, yeah, okay. As soon as I'm looking at these lyrics, <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. That shit was a bit weak. And I think it might have been Get You, where like there was a line that was like, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, sex with you feels nice yeah okay so that was particular nice okay (laughs) okay 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 so that That was nice i i love this song um but it does ah man look (laughs) (laughs) i hate when i do that i'm sorry i like this song all right don't make me think too much because it's like, I just, I just looked at the beginning of the lyrics, like, through drought and famine and natural disasters, my baby's been around for me. It's like, this is so epic. And then uh, later on, this is, um, and when we're making love, yeah, your cries can be heard from far and wide. Like, that one's skirting up against the line. I'm like, well, I mean, you are saying you're going to be here, girl, moaning. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a bit, that's a bit touching. It's like right on the edge of like, but you can't really censor that though. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, what was it? Oh yeah. He says, it's only, the, this is the line. It's only the two of us. Everything I needs between those thighs. Like that, that. was a good line. <laughs> I was like, how'd they get away with that one on the radio? <laughs> if these are supposed to be like love songs, I think that works, but they don't really work for me as what the kids call baby making music really like, these songs aren't that sexy no man i can you, th- you think so yeah <laughs> I, I don't i don't think they work like so, that someone could get it to this strong. to this album bro someone could get it to this al- <laughs> like i'll be like you know i don't know if i really feel this chick and then she goes like you know i was thinking about playing some uh freudian how do you feel about that you know, I think I'm feeling a little Freudy, babe. I think I'm feeling a little Freudy. <laughs> Even though Freud is probably a very bad word in relation, in relation to sex to use. But <laughs> Hey, so sometimes an album is just an album. But I'm still trying to figure out the whole Freudian thing. I have no fucking idea. I, like, I tried to pay attention to see, like, is there something relating to, like, uh, you know, history of issues that you know go within the mental psyche or whatever and i don't think i really got that i don't know maybe maybe in the title track freudian yeah in freudian there was like lines about how like uh you gave me life or like you're, you saved my yeah. life i'm like okay is this about his mom now like, but is this, that what i'm getting yeah, this, I, I, I believe freudian? this one's about her mom yeah because he says hey mama is his second son yeah yeah oh so oh but, shit yeah you're right i forgot about that <laughs> I but, forgot that part. <laughs> okay, so, but now I'm kind of confused. It's like, I don't know. I feel like Freud is very directly related to, like, you want to have sex with your mother. Like, that's kind of the big thing that sort of, you know. That was his big hit, yeah. 
Yeah, and so it's just like to see an album called Birdie, and then it's just like you're kind of waiting for a shoe to drop, you know? Like, is this supposed to mean something? You just reminded me, and this is like the smallest aside possible, but um, uh, as of the day we're recording this, uh, Penny Marshall passed away. Oh, I heard uh, about yesterday. that, yeah, yeah. And I heard on the radio, everybody, the first thing they go to, star from Laverne and Shirley. And like, yeah, I mean, she was... I think she's done a little bit more important shit than that. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe third sentence they're getting into, like, all the movies she directed, and it's like, yeah, may- maybe lead with that. <laughs> what reminded me of that was how we're talking about Freud, and how, like, Freud's known for, like, one thing. But but I'm sure he did more than just that one thing. I- I've heard that a lot of his uh, theories have been kind of thrown out as bunk today, so... I mean, probably... Yeah, like, I feel like if we say, oh, all of Freud's stuff is bullshit, someone's gonna be like, well, actually, there's a couple of things that are actually very important. But if we say, like, oh, Freud's stuff is very important, someone's gonna be like, well, actually, most of his stuff has been debunked. So, look, uh, uh, he had to be... psych majors can sit this one out. I don't fucking care to hear from him. It's whatever. He had to be important in some capacity, all right? <laughs> someone's gonna mention how he was trying to mac on those teen girls in the mall in San Dimas, and how he fucking... You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Wait, is that too are, deep are you referencing the guy who, uh, the recent, uh, governor who was, like, uh, had to get a restraining order away from a mall or some shit? Oh, fucking Roy Moore? No, I was making a Bill and Ted's <laughs> Excellent Adventure reference. Oh, no, I haven't seen that movie. Uh, yeah, Freud's one of the historical figures that they go back in time and bring back to present day for their, for their history project. I gotta go back to my I Love the 80s and 90s, uh you know, uh, specials, and watch through those, make sure I get these references right. Guess I can't help it that it was just one of the few movies that I watched a lot when I was younger, and maybe not everyone has the exact same experiences as I did. It is interesting. We, I feel like everyone has those sort of lightning rod things that they sort of come back to as like, I thought this was everybody's thing. And just finally, I was like, wait, is that, like for me, um, I feel like with you, okay, if I were, if I were to throw it out there, I feel like yours is like Pee Wee Herman. I think mine would be Bebe's Kids. That's the thing that I kind of like. I know the entire script. And, and again, it's like a cult movie, you know? But I think I know, like, the entire script of that fucking movie. See, I think it also, and I'm not saying this to be condescending. I'm just saying this as a matter of fact here, is that there is an age difference between us. That's true. And I think Bill and Ted might honestly be before you were born. Yeah, that was 80s, right? Uh, I think it was late 80s or early 90s. Okay. But, uh, Bebe's Kids was 92, but we just used to watch that movie a lot. But I think that's a very big, like, black thing because I, and I didn't know this. It is the first, very first, in the year of our Lord, 1992, first all black starring animated film. You know, I think it's going to take folks like me who have never seen it to go and watch it even if we don't end up liking it, but just to fucking bridge that gap. Just to know about it. <laughs> fix that divide. If, if all of us see Bebe's kids, we'll have a better understanding. Look, white people are apparently watching Medea movies. Why the fuck not go back and show some love to a film that actually, you know, manages to get a chuckle out of you? I say that as someone who used to watch the plays. Oh, man. And now we're about to go back. So... <laughs> my mom used to watch the uh the old plays from the i think it was late 90s early 2000s and like i'm because I, I was really talking about it with someone late uh, uh yesterday actually and i was like i really think 
Medea might be like the last big before the internet viral thing that really popped off. Because the only way he got around was through doing those productions of plays in like, you know, really deep South places like New Orleans and shit like that. And really like, you know, densely black populated areas. And so like he got really big off of these shows and plays that he did that were basically the same play, but it was just like, hey, it's kind of cool to see a show that has this guy who's, like, actually really funny. Because, like, live, he's hilarious. I don't know who the fuck this guy is in these movies today. He is a shell of his former self. If you go back, I'm so serious, go back and watch those, like, older, like, plays that he used to do. That dude was fucking hilarious. And the funny thing is, he was kind of like the black Jay and Silent Bob for me. (laughs) Because... Because the like the plays are always like super serious and about like you know women uh, black women's issues, which is really good. But you know I'm a kid and this is boring. You know it's just like oh yeah, women being you know uh, impregnated at twelve, <laughs> serious stuff we need to learn about. And then the Medea character would come through. Oh yes, his plays were so fucking intensely serious they would just be like oh my god all right like so-and-so uh, raped their uh, uh, niece or some shit and now i have to deal with that and now she's like running around dating guys that are way older than her and it's just like oh wow this is really direct commentary okay uh <laughs> now it's just boo a medea halloween <laughs> like as intense as the old ones used to be it's like but they have heart you know they they actually wanted to tell you something and they wanted to they wanted to try to make things better for people and i feel like when the when the character did come in the the medea character like she was hilarious because she would just improv and shit and you could tell she was trying to fuck with the cast members and stuff and so it was like great watching that live energy and be like ooh are they going to crack cuz this motherfucker's hilarious is he going to get him to do it you know yeah i'm at, I, look i'm going to show some love like the the ta- there was a reason why he got big. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he was just on some bullshit. You know, he was speaking to an experience that a lot of people were not speaking to at the time and re- being really funny while he was doing it. And I think it's really funny because I think it was one of the first or second ones he did. The Medea character doesn't come in until like halfway through. And so I'm not going to lie. So when I used to watch Chasing Amy, uh, when I first rented it when I was a kid, first got into Jay and Silent Bob... I skipped past like half of the movie just to see the Jay and Silent Bob part. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, all, my God. shit about relationships and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm fucking 12 and shit. I don't give a fuck. I just want to see Jay and Silent Bob talk shit. And so it was the same way with the Medea. <laughs> like, it would be like, oh, yeah, I want to watch these. But I don't want to see all this important shit. Let's skip past this. Let's skip to the part where the cool shit happens. Actually, that was the same way with Pirates of the Caribbean now that I'm thinking about it. I remember I used to have the Pirates of the Caribbean DVD and your boy rap critic, young rap critic, would skip the first eight chapters just to get to the part with with Johnny Depp. Because it was like, I don't want to hear all this love story shit. I didn't want to see a drunk pirate talk shit at people. What would you give uh, Freudian oh, by, <laughs> by Daniel Caesar, by the way? I would give it uh, four and a half. Wow, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with my three and a half. No love. That's some love. That's a fucking seven out of ten. Sorry, sorry, I, 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 my brain didn't catch the and a half. <laughs> For me, I just I was in the right moment. I when I when I heard this, I think the first time because I think I was about to go to sleep, and then I was just like, oh shit, hey, here we go. <laughs> this is just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, I'll I'll put it to you like this. Uh, if you need, if you need some sleep, bro, throw this shit out. And that's not even an insult. This shit, this music is fucking comfy. 
I'm gonna say this: if more R&B w- was like this or whatever, I'd probably listen to it more. Mm, more experimental. Okay. See, and you have to give it that too. Like, think about the genre within which this is in. You know what I mean? Like, this is actually really kind of challenging. Especially songs like this. If other artists did them, I think they would take it way safer, uh, play it way more by the numbers. But this album takes unnecessary chances, and it pays off. Um, because even on the tracks where I might have thought it was getting boring, all of a sudden, just changes things up randomly. And it's like, oh, shit, and I'm back in, you know? So, yeah, I definitely got to give it that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this dude, because, yeah, this is not any R&B I've ever heard. This isn't your dad's R&B. Uh, <laughs> he's the bad boy of R&B. Oh, but if uh, if there's an album that you would like to hear us talk about and you want to ladies are going to have Caesar fever. All right, I'll stop. Uh, I thought you were going to make a joke about tossing a fucking oh, no. Caesar uh, salad. Oh, uh, come on. I don't work blue. I'm not Gallagher. <laughs> I'm not going to make some random gay joke that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> um... You can request an album to be reviewed on the show. We head over to either patreon.com slash rapcritic or patreon.com slash muse. Uh, check the pages for details. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on our respective YouTubes. Check us out on Patreon. And if you want to help us out financially, Patreon is not the only option. No, no, no! No! We also have Teespring storefronts up so you could check out our fine, fine merch. Pick you up a shirt, pick you up a phone case, pick you up a sticker. The possibilities are endless. You've got a lot of options on yours because you just smack that shit on everything. Yeah, look, I'm trying to, I really like Phil Bunny's designs and I'm just like, why the fuck? Look, I would want to get this shit. Let me put this up. They are sick, dude. <laughs> that about wraps it up for this week on the Going Off Podcast. Uh, if this is your first time listening, all of our old episodes are also on SoundCloud and iTunes. Still trying to figure out the Spotify thing. Might get that figured out one day. It took me long enough to get iTunes straightened out, so I'll probably get around to it. Uh, but you can subscribe, and you can get those. Uh, you can download those episodes whenever you want. You can listen to them on your portable devices if you got one of those. For the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. And everybody, get, get your plastic up and get it ready, because here's the part where we... Uh... Where we smash something really big, we're gonna we're gonna smash a CD. Ooh, they're gonna. You better look out. <laughs> Wait, everybody, <laughs> make way. <laughs> put on your put on your smash stickers or whatever the fuck. Here we go.